Jesus, the Savior, did come for to die for poor laundry people like you and like I. I wonder, as I wander out under the sky. Mm-hmm. I wonder, as I wander out under the sky, how Jesus. The Savior did come for to die for poor, hungry people like you and like I. I wonder, as I wonder, how tender. How could it be the eternal Son of God would be willing to leave the glories of heaven to enter into the world, a world which he created in perfection, now ravaged by the curse of sin? All for love's sake, God made low for us. The Apostle Paul put it this way, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And again, the words of the Apostle Paul found in Philippians chapter 2. Although he, Jesus Christ, existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Thank you. 
likely gave birth to Jesus in the lower level of a crowded house in which some of the animals would have been brought in for the night. She then wrapped Jesus in swaddling clothes and laid him in a feeding trough. The lowly circumstances of the birth of the King of Kings serve to magnify the truth of Isaiah the prophet when he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. What made this night holy or set apart was certainly not found in the splendor and majesty of royalty's entrance into this world. No, what made this night holy was nothing less than the unique infant held in Mary's arms, the one begotten of the Father, of whom even the demons would later come to refer to as the Holy One of God.
Dear Father, we thank you for bringing us out here tonight. Thank you for the reminder once a year that you sent your son to a world of sinners, to a world cursed by sin, not perfect by any means, to redeem some, to save some, to snatch some out of that world. Thank you that you came for any of us. Thank you that you chose to save any of us when we all broke your law. So thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the wonders of your uh, character and your attributes that never change. We thank you for your people here being gathered to worship you, to be reminded of these things in music and in word. We pray that you will be pleased with our time tonight as we worship you. Uh, Lord, examine our hearts, uh, test our hearts, try our hearts. We long to honor you with our lives, not just here tonight, but as we leave these doors. So thank you for this time where we can gather. We pray you'll be glorified in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. This Christ child had a well-defined purpose for leaving his incredible dwelling in heaven. It was not merely to show mankind an example of love. No, it was much more than that. From eternity past, this Messiah was commissioned by the Father to be the perfect payment for our sin debt, a debt we could never pay. The world had become totally held captive by the power of sin, while at the same time, God's law demanded perfect holiness. Left to ourselves, we could never possess the righteousness required by God the Father. We needed someone to pay the required ransom demanded by the Father to free us from the exile of sin's captivity. The Gospel writer Mark clearly defines this mission of the Messiah as he says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Only Emmanuel, God with us, could ever pay this price. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appears.
Prophesied 700 years before Bethlehem's wondrous story. And what a story it is. The second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, God with us, would come. Not only to pay our ransom, which we could never pay, but to reconcile us to a right relationship with God the Father. The Apostle Paul in the book of Colossians declares our former way of life this way. We were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. To once be a slave to sin, and now by faith, to be counted as free, even to the point of being called a friend of Jesus. It's no wonder Paul, in Romans 15, commands us to glorify God for his mercy and to rejoice. Thank you. 
went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swathing cloths, and laid him in a manger. this one, coming from the line of Jesse, spoken of by Isaiah the prophet, of whom the angels sing, the one who came to bring together both Jew and Gentile into one body by faith, and for those who believe, will take away the sting of death. This is none other than the rose of Bethlehem, Jesus, the only Messiah, of the Father's love begotten. Shine. 
tonight this is to be thinking about our Savior, the Christ child, the fullness of grace, sung by angels from glory itself as He was announced to be born, this one born away in a feeding trough, as we have heard, Emmanuel, God with us. As we often do this time of year, we think of a lot of things around Christmas, and I always begin to ponder in my mind what was taking place on this night 2,000 years ago. What was happening on Christmas Eve? We get some glimpse of it from the perspective of the shepherds and what they were doing as they always had did. In the evening, they were tending to their families flocks to the welfare of those whom they had charged to care for. Of course, we get an idea of what was happening on Christmas Eve, that first Christmas Eve from Mary and Joseph, as they are preparing to experience what would be a great joy in their life, the birth of their first child, the anticipation of that moment, the idea of what might take place was only heightened by the fact that this child was without any earthly origin. The heavens, of course, were bustling with movement as they waited long with the anticipation and expectation for the glorious moment of Christ actually taking on the form of man. But I wonder oftentimes what kind of dialogue went on in heaven between the Father and the Son before He was to take on that human form. Sometimes we think about that and we don't think the Bible tells us much about that, but I think we get a glimpse of it at least into at least part of what was said between the Father and the Son on that Christmas Eve, or at least we could imagine that it was on that Christmas Eve. It's found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 7. And it says this, Therefore... When He comes into the world, He says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for Me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the roll of the book it is written of Me to do your will. Oh, God. You see, God, many, many years ago, had set up a system of sacrifices, a system whereby Israel could worship Him and have their sin at least overlooked for a time, a system by which they would bring a bull or a goat or some animal that would pay the price, an innocent animal paying the price for their sin, for the guilt of their sin before a holy God. This was the system of sacrifice that God had established. And yet the Old Testament system of sacrifice, even though God had established it, even though it was a system whereby sin could be overlooked for a time, it was ineffective in ever removing the problem 
that plagues all of us. Offering an animal sacrifice could never remove sin. It could never get rid of the guilt that was standing before a holy God. Why? Because sacrifices are always an external thing. Sacrifice is something outside. They never get to the heart of the problem. They never get to the real issue. Sin is the issue. Sin in our lives. Sin in our lives very often shows itself in outward forms, but the cause is always internal. The cause is always inside. The old system of sacrifice, for that matter, no system by which man has ever tried to live by can ever reach to the root problem and change us might affect some behavior, but it certainly can't change the inside. And that's why verse 4 of chapter 10 says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It's impossible for the blood of some animal, a, a bull or a goat or, or anything else that was prescribed for sacrifice to take away sins. And so here in verse 5, It says, therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. This is the meaning of Christmas. This is the reason Christ came. Jesus Christ knew what he was coming into the world to do. He would follow the Father's will unwaveringly in a perfect way and that meant that Jesus Christ came and He was born and yet He was born to be a sacrifice. He was born to die. That's why I love this time of year because we think about that. We come together tonight as we have sung and we'll do a little more singing here in a moment and we have heard the narrative being read of the coming of this child, this one who is God with us. We celebrate the wondrous birth that took place some 2,000 plus years ago in Bethlehem, but we must never forget the reason his birth is so precious to those of us who actually believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior. His birth was great, it was glorious, it was a celebration in the glories of heaven by the angelic beings, not because they just love babies, but because Christ's birth was the inauguration of salvation for us. In His birth, we see salvation coming into fruition. Do you realize this? No one has ever been saved because Christ was born. That may shock you to hear that. No one was ever saved because he was born, because he came as a baby. No one was ever saved because of what Jesus taught. His perfect life was offered 
and had to be offered because sin has a price. And that price is death. The sacrifice. A sacrifice has to be made. It began back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. There was a sacrifice that needed to be made. Someone has to die for sin, and the only one who could do that in order to save us is Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. We are saved by His death, not by His birth. Jesus was born so that we could see God. He was born so that He could give His perfect life for us. He was born to speak absolute truth and to live perfectly before man and before His Father. And yes, He was born to show the love of God to us. And He did all of that without sin. Not one sense in any kind of way, not one failure, not one evil thought, not one wicked word ever. But none of those things would have any meaning without his death. All of those things would be great, and we could we could certainly applaud to someone who lives like that, but without his death they have no meaning. He was born to die. So without his death, his birth has no meaning. Without his death, we have no salvation. Without salvation, we have no hope. Christ had to be born so that he could die. Payment of sin is death. The Bible clearly tells us that. Someone has to die. There is no atonement without death. And so Jesus says, or John tells us in chapter 3, verse 16 of his gospel, God sent his own son to die so that we might live, so that we might not perish. Hebrews 2, verse 9 says, he is our substitute. We see him for a little while, it says, while was He was made lower than the angels. Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God He might taste death for everyone. You know what that means? That means that Christ didn't have to come. He didn't deserve death. But he did come and he came out of love so that we might live. Oftentimes at this time of year I think about the crucifixion because Christ came to die. And when he was nailed to that Roman cross as an innocent man before the laws of men, innocent before the law of God, he died for anyone who would believe upon him. He experienced the full fury of God's wrath on sin and died for the sinner. Now, there may be somebody here who says, that's not me. I'm not a sinner. The truth of the matter is, just those very words prove you're a sinner. Because you know of God and yet you suppress that truth in your own unrighteousness if you say you do not believe. 
Bible tells us that the creator of life became life here in human form so that he might lose his life for those of us who could not pay the penalty before a holy God and live. That's the reality of what we've been singing about, the reality of Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about. Oftentimes we sit together with family and we talk about gifts and we open gifts and, oh, it's a great opportunity. It's a wonderful time to be together and to be with family. And yet the significance of Christmas is that Christ was born so that you and I who deserve death might have life through his death. God gave the only gift with significance. We're all going to receive gifts. Maybe some of you more than one gift. Maybe some of you will give more than one gift. You're all going to be on the receiving end of a gift, and yet nothing you receive here on this temporal earth will have any comparison to the most significant gift of all, Jesus Christ. Why would you reject a gift from God? Why Would you obstinately go away and not believe? God's great gift is a gift of love. And so we plead with you to believe. We don't deserve to get it. We don't deserve to get anything from God except the wrath that He rightly is justified in giving us. God did not have to give us anything. Christ did not have to come. But He did come. God did give because He does love. That's the great joy of Christmas. Salvation. I'm reminded of the words of C.S. Lewis, and I'll just close with this. It's a short little sentence. C.S. Lewis said this, a Christmas without salvation is always winter. But it's never Christmas. Christmas without Christ is not a Christmas at all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, these short words tonight, we trust, glorify Your holy name. We trust that the songs that we have sung, that we are so familiar with, the words that we have heard from those who have ministered to us through music and songs, the narrative we have read, each one here is culpable before you to believe. And Lord, we would trust that you would cause them to believe, that their faith might be real that they might be riveted this very day by the, the sheer fear knowing that they have to answer to a holy God for their sin. To stop running and rejecting You. To stop thinking that they are okay when they have one foot headed towards the precipice whereby 
they do not believe, they will be plunged into an eternity of anguish and hell. And yet, if they will simply believe, turn from their sin, repent, and embrace the gift which you give, they might have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. Nothing could be more precious than that. No gift has more significance than that. And so we pray tonight that in our time together, the words that have been heard would pierce the heart of a sin-sick soul, crush it down to dust, that it might embrace Jesus Christ by faith. Let this be the joy of Christmas for them. Let this be the joy of Christmas for all of us as we who know Jesus Christ have the opportunity to tell others about this great joy. May it be a gift they receive. May their heart's desire not be for the baubles and trinkets that we love, seem to love so much in this world, but really may it be for salvation knowing that they are secure for all eternity in Christ, never to face your wrath again. What a joy that would be. So thank you for these things tonight. May your name be glorified and honored as we sing these closing songs to glorify you in in it all because of our Savior who we proclaim and praise tonight in whose name we pray. Amen. Go, tell, go, tell, go, tell it 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 go, tell it on the mountain, tell it over the hills and everywhere. Oh, go, tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept the watching O'er silent flocks by night Behold through all the heavens There shone a holy light Go, tell it on the mountain Tell it over the hills and everywhere Oh, go Tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out that hailed our Savior's birth. Go. Tell it on the mountain, tell it over the hills and everywhere, oh, go. Tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Down in a lonely manger, the humble Christ was born. And God sent us salvation, 
that blessed Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountain, tell it over the hills and everywhere. Oh, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. He's born. I just want to challenge us. Remember when we're celebrating tomorrow, you open up your gifts, you break bread with family members. With no Christ, there's no Christmas. Don't forget that. With no Christ, there's no Christmas. So uh, please don't shut him out of your day. He's done so much for you. Whether you're a believer or you're not, he still is Lord. He's Lord of all. So keep that in mind. Thank you for coming. Let's have a word of prayer as we close. Dear Father, thank you for being so gracious in sending your son. We, We didn't deserve, we didn't even ask for it. Lord, because you loved us way before we ever thought of loving you. And the love we have for you is because of you in the first place. So thank you for this night. Thank you for the reminders and music and word of your goodness to us, your grace to us when we don't deserve it. Lord, I pray for for many who might be here who have not yet bent the knee in faith and had their sins taken from them, Lord, by faith. We pray perhaps you will work by your Holy Spirit to convict them of their sin, Lord, because we, we know one day we will have to give an account. And um, so, yes, there is negative news here tonight, but the positive news far outweighs that. The glory that you deserve will be received by you one day, and you are worthy. So we pray our, our, our celebration time with our families will be sweet and blessed. And I pray, Lord, above uh, all, that you would be honored in it all because you are worthy. You are the creator, the giver of life, the giver of eternal life. So thank you for these things. Thank you for this beautiful evening. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.